Welcome to The First 10 Years, a career podcast focused on learning from our past to propel us into the future. I'm your host, Daniel Doolin. I'm a communications professional, career and finance writer, and a career changer. But most importantly, I'm fascinated by work and how it fits into the bigger picture of life. I love to ask questions and want to know everything there is to know about how to have a successful and fulfilling career. On the first 10 years podcast, I'll reflect on my career journey thus far and invite other professionals and experts into the conversation so we can learn together how to turn the first 10 years of our career into a foundation for our ideal future. Welcome back to the first 10 years podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Doolin, and this is episode 16. And I know for some people, 16 might not feel like a lot of episodes, but if you know how much work and how much a labor of love putting together a podcast is and producing and recording and finding guests and all of the work that goes into it, it feels so, I'm so proud of the work that's gone into it. And it feels really accomplished that I've been doing this now for four months or so, and we're coming up on 20 episodes. So thank you for being along for this journey. It has been so much fun and I'm just excited that I get to continue to do it and to get to bring you some great conversations like my one today. So today I'm joined by Rachel Liverman and she is the founder of Glowbar. We get into all things about business and challenges and daydreaming about a business and skincare and how to have a great skincare routine. So it's a first for the podcast that we're we're hitting on the beauty angle, but it was so interesting to learn about Rachel's journey and her entrepreneurship um, and what she's gone through. So let me share a little bit more about Rachel. Rachel Loverman, the force behind Glowbar, is a trailblazer in the beauty and wellness industry. Fueled by her own struggle to find an effective, convenient, and trustworthy source for consistent facials, Rachel founded Glowbar in June 2019. With her innovative spirit and hyper-focus on exceptional experiences, Rachel has propelled the brand's 30-minute results-driven facials to cult-following status. Her entrepreneurial drive and commitment to quality have not only shaped the brand, but have also contributed to the industry's evolution. Rachel has taken her decade of experience in the beauty industry to develop a leadership style focused on creativity, business insight, and a genuine desire to make a positive impact on people's lives through Glowbar's services. As Glowbar continues to grow, Rachel remains at the forefront, leading the charge in how we approach skincare and self-care. I can't wait for you all to hear this conversation with Rachel. So without further ado, here it is. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Hi, thanks for having me, Danielle. I'm so excited to chat. I'm so excited to chat with you and to learn more about you and to share with our audience more about the great things you've been doing. So I always love to kick off my conversations by asking my guests um, to walk me through the first 10 years of their career, starting with what they wanted to be when they grew up. That is so much fun to go back. So what I wanted to be when I grew grew up, I always wanted to be a teacher. So my mom would find me in my bedroom, like with an imaginary classroom full of kids and a white, like an imaginary chalkboard because I was born in the eighties. So a lot of people listening probably didn't have chalkboards, but we did. Um, Whiteboards were like fancy at the time. So, um, and I would be like teaching them something. And so I always liked to I guess, inspire others, um, and, and wanted to be a teacher and, um, and I didn't go on to that career path necessarily, but I guess I do 
you know, teach others the way at times now. I love that. I love that you want to inspire people. I think there's always a common thread. I, I find from people what they want to be when they grew up to where they are now, even if it's like a very like loose theme, but so then what happened? Did you go to college? Did you start your career? What did that look like? Yeah. So I went to college in New Orleans. I went to Tulane University. It was super fun. Uh, it was an amazing experience. I definitely had more fun than went to school. Like I, I, I have a very different perspective on education than maybe some do. Um, but what I learned in college was to network, to build relationships, to live on my own independently, and to have to like work towards my career. Uh, so when I left there, I went and worked for TJX, which owns TJ Maxx, Marshalls, Home Goods. I was in their buying program for two and a half years. It was an amazing experience learning corporate. And then I spent the next like decade, call it, in beauty in New York City. So working for beauty brands like Birchbox, Beauty Blender, Stila. And uh, it was amazing to learn from all of those incredible founders and CEOs, how they built their businesses and how they grew in the beauty industry. And, um, you know, now it's really fun to still be talking to them, but being you know, a peer of theirs and being able to talk about what it really is like on the ground, building a business every day. That's amazing. So what did you go to Tulane for? What were you studying? So I studied business. So I was in their business undergrad program and I minored in entrepreneurship. So like you said, there's always a common thread. Um, I watched my grandmother and my mom you know, run their own businesses, start their own businesses growing up. So I had a front seat to that. And I think it, it, it was in my DNA. It rubbed off on me, whatever, you know, your perspective may be. And I just really, um, I loved the idea of that you could have an idea and you could work really hard to make that a reality for yourself. And so, um, I actually opened a store on Tulane's campus uh, while I was in undergrad. And so I think my love for entrepreneurship and retail have always been inside of me. Um, and so it's, it now feels very fortuitous that like I own Globar and started it and it's a four wall retail business. Um, so yeah, it's always been kind of a part of what I do. That's so cool. So what did your, your mom and your grandma do as entrepreneurs? So my grandmother started the first accredited aesthetic school in the country called Catherine Hines Institute of Aesthetics in the 70s. So she recognized that we all needed to be taking care of our skin a lot earlier than we were even around and that professional skincare was a growing industry that really should be on the map. And so in the 70s, she, she started this business and was helping other women like herself create livelihoods for themselves and be able to be a part of an industry that they were passionate about. Skincare industry, beauty industry is so much fun. It's so innovative. It's so exciting. And it's so, it's like playful, right? Um, and it makes you feel good and feel better about yourself. And so she was there and did that. And my mom took over the business and grew it to a whole nother level um, where we had our own product line and salons and spas and a distribution company. And so I grew up, you know, going to our salons and spas every, you know, weekend with my mom when she was working and um, going to our school. And, and so I was like really watching all of that from a young age. 
That's such a cool experience, especially in the 70s. That is like so ahead of her time to be an entrepreneur, especially a female in the 70s. That is like amazing that you had that inspiration growing up. Yeah, it was, I I don't love this term girl boss, but I will say my grandma was definitely an original girl boss, right? It was like before, you know, <laughs> Sophia Amorosa even mm-hmm. created that term. Um, but she was just so, um, she was so risk taking and she was fearless and uh, she was so enterprising, right? Like she just mm-hmm. was so resourceful. She didn't like, she didn't come from money. She didn't like have a rich husband. In fact, she was single and divorced when she started the business. And so like that was even unheard of in the seventies. So I think watching that, it made me pretty fearless. Cause I'm like, if she could have done that in the seventies, then I can do it, you know, today. Absolutely. That's so inspiring. So talk to me about a minor in entrepreneurship, because I'm always curious about this. I don't feel like it was at least at my school, it wasn't something that was offered. So I'm always interested when you're getting a degree in entrepreneurship, kind of what your intentions are, what you think is going to be your objective in your career once you graduate. Yeah. Tulane was one of the first universities, I believe, uh, to have this program, you know, especially like 15, might've been 20 years ago. I don't even want to say that out loud. Um, but, uh, it was, it was really interesting. It was, um, it was really cool to be in a class where you were basically like nowadays it would be like just going onto LinkedIn and reading people's stories. Right. Like, but that was the class. And so talking and having speakers come in about like, I remember we had the founder of Whole Foods. He was actually lived in New Orleans. So it was like very, and I think he was part of Tulane as well. Um, come in and talk to us about the early days. And like, those weren't stories that were told a lot back then. Cause there, there's been such a third, like resurgence of, of that over the past like 10 years. Um, and so it was really neat to just, um, learn about that, but it was really focused on like the basics of like starting a business. Right. So like what you needed to like, what, what steps you needed to take to get a business off the ground and how to put together a business plan and pitch a business to others. Um, so that was really, really helpful when I actually decided to do it years later. Awesome. So yeah, you had experience, like you said, at TJX and then all these different beauty brands. Where did the seed of Globart start? Like, when did you know, okay, this is something that I want to want to do? Yeah, it was while I was having dinner with my mom and I was constantly being asked by her, are you taking care of your skin? Are you getting facials? Have you had a facial recently? Um, so I don't know if my skin didn't look great or she just could tell because she is a very talented esthetician, but I would always say, no, I don't have the time. I don't have the money. I don't have like the patience, you know? And, and also I don't even know where to go because everyone does facials. And then it was kind of like this like aha moment or idea or like, you know, light bulb where her and I were just sitting at dinner and I was like, I just wish there was a 30 minute option that I could afford and wanted to afford every single month. And And then it was kind of like, I made a note to myself about it. And I'm like, well, the idea is like, you know, you're kind of jotting down notes. I'm like, it's a 30 minute facial, you know, $75, $60 for a membership and highly effective clinical grade professional results. And I put that on an email and then I will tell you just, I don't, I don't even know. I just started to take those steps, put one foot in front of the other. And I was like, well, what could it be called? And I just started dreaming, like truly like daydreaming, you know, 
even like, if you think about it, like when you're daydreaming about what your like partner is going to look like, what are they going to look like? What are they going to be like? How am I going to feel around them? Uh, how big can it be? How awesome can it be? And then like, it kind of just started to happen and unfold in front of me. And obviously a lot of hard work, but like, it doesn't even feel like work. Cause you're like kind of just dreaming at that point. And it's not, there's not a lot of pressure, right? Cause no one's asking you how the business is going. Cause it doesn't even exist. Um, and then it just, it kind of became bigger than me um, through all those steps. So I was like, oh, wow. Okay. I actually am going to do this. And now I've told a lot of people about it. So I actually have to. That's a beautiful way to think about your career in general. I mean, starting a business, but like, let yourself daydream. Like we should all be able to fulfill our, our career ambitions and goals. And I love that you kind of said like, sky's the limit. Like we're going to do this. Yeah. I mean, call it what you want, but like daydreaming is like manifestation at its core. And of course you need to speak it out loud and write it down and like give it to the universe. But like, first you got to like dream it up. Right. And so like, um, I just was always imagining what I wanted for myself and my career. And I've always been very like career oriented, like having something that I did every day that fulfilled me was very, very important from a very young age. I, right when I could get a worker's permit, I had one and my first job was at Kabloom, this flower shop in Newton, Massachusetts. Like I loved it. I loved being able to say like, I'm going to work. Like it wasn't even for the, you know, probably $7 an hour at the time, but like, it was just like that I got to like almost brag that I like had a purpose every single day that like felt good. So for those that don't know, give us the the highlight of what Globar is for people that may not be in your area. Yeah. So Globar is in New York and Connecticut today. And we are facial studios that perform 30-minute facials for $60 if you're a member or $75 if you walk in. And we do a 30-minute facial that's highly effective and clinical grade. So we do things like dermaplaning, chemical peels, hydration, masks, LED, high-frequency, microcurrent, and we work with you to achieve your skincare goals. And our mission is to help you feel confident in your skin. So that's what we're aiming to do every single day is make everyone that comes through our doors feel just a little bit better about themselves and a little bit more confident so they can go be better partners at home or more patient with their kid or smile at their barista uh, and just bring good to the world. I love that it's a membership because just like you would become a member of a gym or some other, like maybe a massage studio, like it's just as important to take care of our skin in that way. And when you're making that commitment to join um, a business like Globar, you're making a commitment to yourself to, to put your best self out there and to put yourself first, which all of us can from time to time, I'm sure we forget to do. Yeah. And exactly what you just said. I love how you just said that because what I love that we get to do every day is it's just 30 minutes. And there are so many people, whether you have a family at home or a really intense career, whatever it is that makes you put yourself last, we give you the option to actually take care of yourself and not abandon yourself. And it's not going to break your bank and it's not going to break your schedule. And that's really beautiful because historically before Globar existed, if you wanted to take care of yourself with a professional facial and see an esthetician, you had to have a lot of disposable income. You had to have a lot of free time. And then you had to find the place 
that you really trusted and vibed with. And Globar has, has broken down all of those barriers for you and said, hey, just come in. We got you. And we're not going to like make you broke. You're still going to be able to go out to dinner with your friends that night. And you're going to like take that 30 minutes and put yourself first. Uh, so that that's what gets this whole team out of bed every day is that we get to do that. I love that. So how long did it take from that initial conversation with your mom where you kind of had this this seed planted to when you opened your first store to your store? About a year and a half. So um, I like was talking about this idea and I had a lot of work I needed to do before it could be a reality for me. So this is what people you know, sometimes don't realize is like, it doesn't happen overnight. Like it really, really doesn't. And, and I don't think it should because it's such a serious decision to make for yourself, for others, for investors. Um, I had the idea, wrote it down, started to, you know, take little steps at it. And it wasn't a year and a half until we opened our first store. And so I couldn't dedicate 100% of my time to Globar for six months after that conversation. I was saving money. I was working on Globar nights and weekends while I had a full-time job because I needed to to create that nest egg, call it, for myself. Um, I was single at the time, which is so uncommon, I think, for female founders. They usually have a partner at home who can you know, support them while they're taking that risk. I didn't have that. And so um, it took about a year and a half to, to be able to really get it off the ground. Um, and I'm glad for that. I'm so grateful for that time because we got to be really intentional and thoughtful about the business we were creating. Yeah. So when did you, you said you're building that nest egg for yourself for that first six months. When did you say, okay, I'm all in, like I'm doing it. I'm going to quit and invest myself hundred percent to Globar. About like four months after I had the idea and, and I needed to see a few other signals from like the universe, call me woo woo whatever you want to say, but like, I needed to see that this was actually a good idea and that the, the consumer was ready for it and that I was going to be able to raise capital to support it and that other people like me thought it was a great idea and got excited about it. And so I needed to like have a few more signs from, from the universe that said like, yeah, yeah, keep going. And so those were like things like Globar wasn't trademarked. So I own the trademark. So that was like, oh, okay. The name is going to work. Um, I found someone to do the branding that I knew was like brilliant and, and could really knock it out of the park and was willing to take me on as a small business. Um, I found a real estate broker that was willing to even talk to me, you know, this girl with like no business plan really. And like, you know, or or I had one, but you know, I didn't have a ton of money in the bank or, you know, proven success in this field. So like those things, I was like, okay, everything's working. And so I think this can become a real thing. And so after about four months, I told my boss, like, Hey, I have this idea. I want to make it happen. I'm working on it nights and weekends. I'm probably going to be giving my notice in the next couple of months. And I want to be open and honest about that. And, and thank God for my boss at the time was so supportive and, and kind about that. That's amazing that you have that relationship with your boss. Cause I think a lot of people don't have that or don't have that luxury to have a, a trusting relationship where you could even bring that to the table. So having that support, that full support to be like, yeah, go, go fulfill your dream. I think that's, that's really crucial. Yeah, I feel really fortunate. I've had amazing mentors and 
managers and founders and CEOs that I've worked for that have just been like really good people. So I don't take that for granted either. Those people have been the ones that have gotten me to where I am today and allowed me the, the opportunities um, to get here. So knowing that your, your mom and grandma had that experience in the beauty industry, did you lean on them a lot throughout this process or did you have other external mentors that you kind of sought for guidance? Everyone is my mentor. Like consider yourself now a mentor of mine, Danielle. Um, (laughs) I think that you can learn something from everyone, but yes, of course. My mom was, she wrote me my first check, which is insane. Like I still have it, by the way. I still have the check. I love that. Also, it's just funny because like, no, but I should. We're actually getting an office for the first time at Globar. Like we have our own office and we're moving in in like a week um, or a little over a week. And um, I should frame some of those like memorabilia, um, kind of like the first dollar at like a restaurant. Um, But she wrote me my first check. She gave me access to her company to use as like an R&D partner for us to create our treatments. Um, So yes, like she was crucial to getting this business off the ground, but truly anyone that I met, I tried to learn something from, ask them for help, um, ask them for money. Like literally um, there's a joke internally that like anyone they meet, that's like a friend of mine is also an investor because I was (laughs) like, you know, like, do you have any money I can have? Like I have this like idea. Um, So all I can say is the number one lesson I've learned in doing this is you cannot do it alone. And that just, that doesn't mean you just have like a great network around you. You need to use those people. Um, and by the way, not use them, but ask them for advice, ask them for guidance, ask them for introductions. Um, and all while showing your like genuine gratitude and like sending that thank you note, sending that thank you email. Um, because, uh, people are taking time out of their day to support you and you have to show that gratitude. So it feels fulfilling to them as well. Yeah. Talk to me about that raising money piece. Did you, I know you're talking to people, but did you seek other investors? Like how do you even go about that process? Because obviously with a brick and mortar store, there's a lot of expense that comes with that. It's a great question. Um, Raising money. I was new to it. So do not think that you need to have raised money before to do it. And by the way, something that I always remind myself is like, anyone that's done something before was also a beginner at one point, you know? So like anyone can raise money. It is hard, but it's supposed to be hard and it should be hard because this is people's hard earned money or money that they've been given to invest and and grow. And um, investors should take it really seriously when they're considering giving you money to support your business. And so um, raising money was brand new to me. I thought it was going to be so easy, Danielle. I was so naive. I was like, people will give me money. Like, this is a great idea. And like, I'm so nice and I'm responsible and I'm not going to like waste it. You know, like I like had all these like weird, like, I guess you have to be slightly naive, right? To ask people for money. Um, but I was just like, oh, it's going to be so easy. Like I know enough people and I can like glob enough money together to make this happen. And that is true. You can. And, and I did so in a little bit of an untraditional, like non-traditional way. I, um, I asked a lot of people for very small checks just to kind of glob together that amount that I needed. Um, but, uh, it takes a lot of conversations. I got a lot of no's, like a ton of no's 
um, a hundred at least. Um, and it just takes resilience, but, um, raising money is, um, is a really interesting place to be and it really tests you, but it's, um, it's super fulfilling when someone writes you a check and it feels really good. And it also comes with a lot of pressure. I bet. I'm sure that was one of the challenges you faced. What are some other challenges that you encountered during those early years? Um, there are business challenges, but that's not unique to Globar, right? So I don't know, we own brick and mortar stores. And so they have leaks sometimes and plumbing breaks, like those kind of things. Those are like, those are easy, right? Um, the challenges have felt more personal, like emotional, um, personal development challenges have felt greater than just figuring out how to do your accounting or how do you file for taxes? Like those things, like just the world figures out, right? Those, those seem simple. I think what has been the most challenging is how to grow as a leader and how to show up as a leader is, is a real responsibility. And it should be number one on your job description as a founder, entrepreneur, CEO, whatever that role is that you're going to take in your organization. Um, and so making sure that I'm creating a culture that is healthy and really exciting to join, um, treating my team with like respect and fairness and um, making this a place that they feel like they're flourishing in is a real responsibility. And that's just like always something I'm thinking about all the time. And it's not that it's been, it's, it's not that it's hard. It just requires a lot of energy and a, raw, a lot of thought and a lot of asking for advice from people that have done it before and that have done it more than you. Um, so that's been an ongoing just requirement of this job that can feel hard at times because sometimes people aren't happy and sometimes you don't hit the nail on the head with an initiative. And sometimes you handle a conversation wrong or don't communicate something that you should have. And that's just like, that's challenging because you go home and you're like, shit, I didn't do it right. And that's hard. Um, I think also um, determining what roles are really needed. That's like a guess that every company takes at every given time. Like, hey, we're having a trouble with X department or, or there's a gap that needs to be filled. Let's hire this person. And it's like, was well, that the right role? Are those really the things that need to get done to move the needle? And like, that's just always a question. So it's like always like a little bit of like a guess and you hope that it's going to work out. So those are just like constant things that as you grow a business come up. Have you, had you managed people before you stepped into the founder role? Yeah, I had um, managed like a few at a time. Um but certainly not to this extent, certainly not um, supporting people through their career like this. Um, so it's something I take really, really seriously. And I feel a lot of responsibility to do it well. Um, and I do it okay. Um, and I think that I can always do that better. So um, it's something that like, I am really focusing on this year um, and always you know, hiring people that can help me be a better leader um, is really the most important thing I can do, I think, this year. I think that's a really important growth to do throughout your entire career, especially once you step into that manager role and realize the influence that you have on the people you're leading. I think we can all in our career identify good bosses and bad bosses. And 
different features we want to emulate if we were to be in that position. But then once you actually get there and realizing like you are that person that's impacting that person's day to day, it's, it's really eye opening. And I think, um, you feel the weight of that and just the, the impact that you have every day when they show up for work. Yeah. It's an immense, immense responsibility. And I think like some people just don't take it that seriously, which is just so unfortunate. Um, but, uh, it's hard. And so I can understand why someone's like, I'm not even going to think about it because it's really, really hard. And it also requires you to take a hard look at yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the hardest things in life, right? Like, it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm kind of shitty in that area or I'm not perfect. And that's a hard pill to swallow. And as a founder, you, you have to do that monthly, if not more often. Um, so, uh, but I think that, um, being human and even sharing what I just shared with you, with my team helps them have a little compassion when needed for me and vice versa. I hope that like me sharing that with them will allow them to share that with me and help me have compassion for them in times where maybe they weren't perfect or didn't show up perfectly in, in their responsibility. So, um, I think that's a culture that we've created here and I think it's a really special thing. Yeah. And how many people do you have now under all of your locations? We have about 200 team members. Wow. That's big. That's, that's not a small amount of lives that you're, you're influencing. So that's yeah. huge. Yeah. It's like, it's the ultimate responsibility. I don't take it lately. It's also what motivates me. Right. So as much as it can feel stressful to think about these are livelihoods that I'm like impacting positively or negatively. Um, it's also that their families rely on, on this, this career that they have with Globar and, um, I do not take that lightly. So what's been the most surprising aspect to you about entrepreneurship and owning your own business? I think how all consuming it is. It's not, I, I, surprising, I guess, I think how hard being a leader is. Like, I think it, it, I, I do feel like because I, for a decade, was watching Founders, I saw the weight of it. And I think I, like, I knew what to expect in a sense, but I don't think you can really describe the the responsibility and the weight of that responsibility to anyone and how all-consuming it is. Like, I feel like I haven't done a great job maintaining friendships at times. I haven't, like, done a great job maintaining, like, certain relationships, like, or even my relationship with myself, because it's just like, there's this like subconscious weight that's there that like, you can't even recognize, but you just feel it. And it's like an energy suck. And I think that's just like, I'm like, oh, wow. Okay. I see what people meant when they were saying that, or I'd hear that, or I'd see it. Um, and I kind of always thought like, oh, I won't do that. Cause I live a balanced life and I will always prioritize X, Y, and Z. Um, but it's, it's, it's a lot. And it's supposed to be a lot. So like, that's also a good reminder. It's like, okay, this is unique to Rachel. This is unique to anyone running their own business, big or small. Um, so that's, that's been, I think sure. Surprising could be the word, but it's also like almost a little bit like disappointing, like in the sense of like, I thought I could do it differently, but like you kind of can't, it's something that comes with this, this gig. Mm-hmm. But it's worth it. I would imagine for all the, the positives. 
I think so. <laughs> so let's switch gears because you are the expert. So I want to know what's the secret to gray skin? Is it getting a facial? Is it certain products? Is it sleep water? Like what do you do to, to have great skin? Everything you just said. Um, but great skin, consistent facials. So seeing an esthetician monthly is my recommendation at a minimum quarterly, uh, hydrating, hydrating and hydrating from the outside and the inside. So you said drinking water. It's not, there's a reason why every nutritionist, esthetician, doctor, I, I don't know, everyone that's in the advice caregiving world, um, says drink water and you should, it's really, really important. And also hydrating on the exterior. So moisturizing, washing your face, like simple skincare habits are really, really important. Um, and SPF, like truly like it's a real thing. It's really important. Even if you're not concerned about aging, that's fine. You don't need to be, it would probably help this world if we were a little less worried about aging, but, um, one in five get diagnosed with skin cancer and, um, SPF will help that. So, uh, those, those three things, and then all the things you said, so get some sleep. <laughs> you know, like, uh, exercise. so, um, you know, your skin really is a reflection of what's going on inside. And in fact, like, you know, I'm even, I just had a cold for two weeks and I was just saying to the team earlier, I've got like, you know, you can't really see it, but I've got this big old, you know, third eye there and I got something going on here. And it's because like, you know, for two weeks I had this horrible cold that my, my immune system was trying to fix. And I was eating like crap at home because I'm like laying on the couch eating bagels all day, you know, like, and, and bagels aren't bad for you in moderation, but like my skin is definitely like showing that for a couple of weeks I was like down and out and not really taking care of myself. So, um, you know, that's, that's just how it is. So what are you, some of your go-to products that you use daily? I live and breathe by, uh, is clinicals hydrocool, which is the hyaluronic acid. So that's how I hydrate just an extra step of hydration before my moisturizer. I use Elta MD's, uh, UV clear tinted SPF 46. It's the best on the market. It's gives you that glow. It makes your skin look good, even though it's doing its job. Also, it also has niacinamide in it, which is great antioxidant. Um, so helping ward against all of these external factors that we're facing. And um, I also love, 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 love Environ, their retinol. So I use their sequence line and it's an amazing way to add retinol to your routine in a really safe and sustainable way. Retinol can be a little bit scary. It creates like some dryness and your skin can get like agitated easily. Um, Environ has a great way of uh, distributing retinol um, in a step-up program that allows your skin to use it in a gradual way and um, really helps you get those benefits of retinol, which are um, exfoliation cell turnover and that like bright glowy skin. So, um, those are like my, my hard hitting products that I recommend to anyone. So for someone who is not maybe as like in the know of the beauty industry is wants to start a skincare routine, but it can seem really overwhelming. I think there's so many products available. Uh, there's so many different kinds. Like you said, there's, there's uh, products with retinol and hyaluronic acid, all these different things. What are like the, the must-haves that if you were to do like a day-to-day -day skincare routine, someone should focus on? Yeah. So we believe in a five-step or like a four or five-step 
system at Globar. Um, so cleansing always, and your cleanser actually can be your lowest investment product. So go to your CVS drugstore, grab Cetaphil, CeraVe, like it doesn't need, you don't need to break the bank for your cleanser. It's not staying on your skin long enough to really make an impact, but I still want you cleaning your face. So getting any debris, external factors, dirt, food around our mouths. Like, have you ever eaten an orange? We're going to have it around <laughs> Um, then we, we suggest toning. Toning is, um, a great insurance plan for your cleanser. So if the cleanser didn't get everything, your toner can get it off. It also can have added benefits. So if it has AHAs or BHAs in it, um, that will support your health of your skin and then, um, treat your skin with some sort of vitamin, call it. So treat is kind of like your supplement. So if you are looking for anti-aging benefits, collagen, production, cell turnover, things like that, add a retinol right there. Um, if you're looking for hydration, add your hyaluronic acid. And then the fourth step is moisturize. So the most important thing, that's where I want you to spend all of your resources on is your moisturizer. Make sure that it's peptide heavy, moisturizing, um, going to really lock in that hydration. That will just help in so many, um, so many ways. And then, um, SPF during the day, um, even if you're working from home, I want you SPFing every single day. UV rays come through windows. They're going to, you know, affect your skin and we need you protected. I love that because I feel like you just made it so much more approachable and simple if someone wanted to start their own skincare routine because it can feel like a lot. I am not someone who is, has a really detailed skincare routine. I use CeraVe. I've been using that for years. It is my favorite cleanser. Um, so I'm like, I need simple and basic that I can, I can maintain. And that feels very manageable to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, if you, if you just simplify it like anything in life, it makes it better, right? Like toast with butter. What's better? <laughs> right? Like, it's really like, let's not overcomplicate things. And I think that's where the industry has like gone a little bit awry right now. And I think, I think the consumer is pulling back a little bit like, oh my gosh, the past few years I've been, you know, buying like anything and everything mm -hmm. on, and now we're buying on TikTok too, but like we're on Amazon, we're on Sephora, we're on Ulta, we're buying whatever influencer X tells us to. And it's now like, okay, I have all these products. Like what should I really be using? That's right for me. And that's why Globar I think has done so well because we personalize and customize every single facial for you. So Danielle gets a different treatment than Rachel does. Um, and I think that that customization is so important. And you also provide products, correct? If someone wanted to go home with those products that they can continue their daily maintenance. Exactly. Yep. So we set you up with your routine. We check in the next month. We keep record of that. Um, it's really, it's really a partnership to achieving your best skin. I love that. And then what role does makeup play in your skincare? Because obviously you're doing all the things to, to clean it, to moisturize it, to treat it, but then we're putting all this stuff on top of that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, like makeup is so fun. I'm like, like the, like I'm such a makeup junkie, especially the past year. I don't know what happened to me. I became like a makeup fanatic. Um, and, uh, look, if you're not cleansing your face at the end of the night, like, your skin might not like that, but then we all have those friends who are like, I never wash my face at night and their skin looks great. And they use like Olay, you know, like, like nothing. So it's all personal, right? You have to see what's right for you, but, um, makeup, they, makeup has gotten so much better, right? So there's all this like 
research and, and changes in the industry of making sure products are non-commodogenic, so they're not going to clog your pores is what that means. And um, uh, I think makeup is fun. I encourage makeup if it makes you feel good. You don't need to wear makeup. Like no one needs to wear makeup, but um, if it makes you feel better, I'm all for like anything that makes you feel better. I love that. So what are you most proud of from your work at Globar so far? I think the team that we've created. We have like 200 of the best people I've ever met on this team. So I feel like we have curated this like special group of humans and um, seeing them achieve success also and build their resumes and gain experience is so fun for me to watch. And what's your biggest career takeaway? So from your time, like pre-Globar to now Globar and that transition, what's your, your biggest lesson learned? Uh, you'll only get ahead if you ask for help. That's a really important reminder. Yeah. It's like, it's small and it might seem cliche. And for some people that are really comfortable doing that, um, cool. You don't need that piece of advice. You already do it. But there are a lot of people that think they need to figure it all out on their own. And I was one of them. And, um, that was actually going to inhibit my my career if I didn't learn how to get vulnerable and say I didn't know how to do something or say I needed help. And uh, I think when you're younger, you think you have to know everything, but it's like so funny because it's like, no, you're young. <laughs> like, doesn't mean you're not smart. It's like, no, you haven't done this before. So how are you supposed to know? So ask. Um, and so I think like that has definitely been like the biggest learning and something I I can't recommend enough to people starting their career or starting in a new career. You can be 50 and join a new industry. You still should ask for help. You still don't know that industry. Um, so that would be my takeaway. Did you have a like aha moment or like a breaking point where you realized like, oh, I need to ask for help or was it just like a gradual um, realization? No, it was like a breaking point. I left uh, Birchbox and really like had, I guess, this self-awareness that I needed to ask for help and that I hadn't been because I was trying to pretend that I knew how to do anything. And I was like, oh, wow, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to raise the flag and say like, guess what? I'm 26. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, And when I started to do that and saw that I wasn't judged that opportunities weren't taken off the table, that actually people, I think, respected me more and were also really willing to help and support me and like actually felt motivated to do so because they saw how vulnerable I was being. I was like, oh, this is what cracks the code. This is what, this is actually the like, what gets you to the next level. And so now it's just become my mission to just like encourage people to and be like, even my team, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm doing. So why would I expect, well, I, if I didn't, if I didn't know, if I knew what I was doing, I wouldn't have hired you. I could have just, you know, right. So that's just like something that I talk about a lot. Um, and so I'm hoping that that can inspire someone else and help them just like kind of say when they don't know something. I think it's funny, like you said, when we're younger, we feel like we have to know everything. When we're probably at the stage of our life and our career where we know the least amount that we're ever going to know. But the one thing we all have in common, and I've learned that from talking to people on this podcast, is we've all been through it. Like we've all had the first 10 years of our career. We've all had to stumble and make mistakes and and learn from those. But like we've all been there. So ask for help. Like 
there is someone else like your problem not to sound like you if problems not important but it's not unique someone else has likely had a very similar situation so like ask for help ask for recommendations that they can maybe make it a little bit easier and smoother for you exactly exactly like you're not like if this is happening for you it's it's happened for millions of people before you so yeah no i think it's i think it's something you know people talk a lot about the imposter syndrome and i actually think it's a great place to be if you can get it out of your own way because when you're in your the imposter syndrome it means you're learning you're growing you're doing something you don't know how to do and so um if you can recognize that and then say like oh, okay i don't need to like hide in silence and try to figure this out on my own then i think that's that's where you can really grow right you have to get out of your comfort zone and i think that's what the imposter syndrome is is you have to get out of your own way and get out of your comfort zone because when you're in that discomfort that's where the growth happens yep exactly Awesome. So what are you excited about right now? What's next for Globar? Oh, so many things. But first, we are opening the New Jersey market. So we are going into Hoboken in a little over a month. And we are so excited to join that community. And we think the community is really excited to welcome us as well. We're going to be on Washington Street. And um, it's just so exciting for us to open in New Jersey and start to grow uh, out of New York and Connecticut. So that's first. And then we're going to Philly. So we're kind of, we're, I keep joking that we're on the Amtrak corridor. So we're Yay. like going to start in New York and we're going to go to New Jersey and then go to Philly and, and grow from there. So um, anyone listening from uh, New Jersey or Philly, we're coming soon. Go to our website and please let us know who you are because we want to, we want to meet you. Amazing. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Thank you. Hopefully you're making your way down South soon <laughs> or I'll have to check you out when I'm up that way. We are for sure. Amazing. So where can people find out more about Globar, more about you and, and follow your journey and come in to visit? It's really simple. It's Globar, G-L-O-W-B-A-R.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at Globar, TikTok, I think is Globar as well, maybe Globar 30. Um, that's annoying that we didn't get that handle, but that's fine. And I'm Rachelista on Instagram and TikTok as well. Amazing. We'll be sure to include all those links in the show notes. So thank you so much for, for being on today, Rachel. This was so much fun. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you so much for listening to today's conversation. If you enjoyed this episode, you've been enjoying the podcast, please take a moment to subscribe, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening. It helps others find this content and it really means the world to me to help amplify this, this work that we're producing and that I'm sharing for you. If you'd like to follow along on social media, you can find us at the First 10 Years Podcast. If you want to follow me on social media, I'm Danielle Doolin everywhere. If you want to reach out via email, you can do that at the First and years podcast at gmail.com. And I can't wait to be back with another conversation next week. Have a great week, everyone. Bye.